book of Joshua chapter 10. The book of Joshua chapter 10. I want to talk to you for a few moments this morning and preach to you a sermon I've entitled, Hit Reset. A few years, I think maybe it might have been two years ago, I preached a sermon out of the uh, book by uh, the CEO of Microsoft, Satya Nandela. The title of that was Hit Refresh, and this is different. Because as I was thinking about services and just thinking about where Christianity is going uh, and, and where it's progressing to, I want to present a very different perspective to you this morning that I believe we all need. The COVID-19 has indeed been a time of bittersweet crisis. When I say bittersweet, there have been people that have experienced an incredible difference in their life. For some, it has brought them closer to their family because they got nowhere to go. For some, they are bound at home and so that has caused them to spend more time with their children. For some, it has reunited and rekindled relationships that have been neglected. There are also some people who I hear say that this MCO has served in its great purpose the ability for me to catch up on things that I've not been able to do for a long time. But for some though, you read the papers and you find an increase of men going into websites that are immoral. Then you have the statistics where couples are applying for divorce because they cannot stand to live with each other. And then there's a time where people are beginning to, in isolation, unable to hide any further of who they really are. And this time of isolation has brought to surface who they are on the inside and now they are having to face the reality of dealing with themselves. It has been a time that has broken some. And this entire crisis, with all fairness, there are people who have lost their jobs. There are people who have made money in their jobs. And yet we have to admit that this crisis has not been friendly to more, if not less. Only the worst, the bad and the ugly, can be taken away from this crisis at the very least. You read the newspaper, you read the media, and the media is, is plastered with words like this and headlines like this. COVID-19 for a brand reset. Then they also came out in Forbes, the big reset. Then there was another article that came out and it was titled Reset and Restart. And so I begin to come to agreement that life in many, in many faces will present itself with opportunities to hit Reset. There are seasons that God will allow us to go through in life. And these seasons will serve as an opportunity 
for us to hit the reset button, to rethink of the ways we have been doing things, to recalibrate and to realign ourselves in the ways that we should be going. This time of COVID-19 and the MCO has indeed proven to be a time where we've had a lot of time to ourselves that have allowed us to think and think and think of ways we are going to move forward post-MCO. And so when we read the Bible, there is a reflection with regards to what I'm saying here. In the book of Joshua chapter 10, verses 9 through 13, the Bible says, Joshua therefore came upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. So the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them along the road that goes to Beth Horon, and struck them down as far as Ezekah and Makeda. And it happened as they fled before Israel, were on the descent of Beth Horon, that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Ezekah, and they died. There were more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with the sword. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Aijalon. Verses 13, So the sun stood still, the moon stopped, till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is this not return in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. So the story goes, the men of Gibeon, if you read chapter 10 and its first couple of verses, you can uh, begin to understand that the men of Gibeon called on Joshua. This was because the king of Amorites have gathered against them and the Bible tells us that when Joshua heard the call, he responded to them marching all night from Gilgal. Now, I don't know the distance between Gibeon and Gilgal. That's not the point of this sermon. But the king of the Amorites viewed the city of Gibeon as a royal city. It was indeed a place of great potential. So the king of the of Amorites intended to come in and take over. They intended to come in to conquer and this was their purpose. And as I was reading that, I began to remind myself of seasons that we face where the enemy begins to strike us. The enemy sees the potential. The enemy sees what we can achieve and become. The enemy knows the power that lies in the people of God. The enemy knows that we as God's children have a calling, a destiny, a purpose and a future in God and the enemy is going to do everything he can to assault and pull down what God wants to do. Our response will influence the outcome 
Two things that we must derive from this text. Number one, these men immediately called Joshua. Secondly, Joshua marched all night. This is a powerful symbolism with regards to perseverance. This is a spirit of endurance, a man who wanted to stand up for a cause, a man who never want to quit and give up easily. He began to march until he arrived Gibeon. The Bible says this, as I said earlier, they called Joshua immediately. and That's a significant, uh, distinct importance right there because as Joshua was marching in verses 7 the Bible says he ascended from Gilgal he and all the people of war with him Joshua surrounded himself with men who knew how to fight and this is critical if we are going to have victory God sent, the Bible says, hailstones. And the Bible tells us more died from the hailstones than from the sword. Basically, we can, we can establish Exodus 14 in this chapter. The Lord will fight for you. God stepped into the battle scene. Victory became a definite and this is what we must understand, beloved, who we surround ourselves with. The people that we hang around with, the people that are in our circle of friends, I'm asking you this morning, are they going to help and contribute to the victories you need in your walk with God? It's amazing to me, I was talking to a pastor yesterday and he was telling me how there was a gentleman who attends a church somewhere else but wanted to come and seek counsel from him and when the question was asked, he said, ah, I don't know, la pastor, the other church, so on and so forth. It's interesting, people know who to come and seek counsel from. They know who prays. They know who fasts and who lays hold of God. They know that the warriors of the faith are a symbol of God's victory this morning. They know that there are phonies out there who they can never depend or count on. And yet we surround ourselves with people, beloved, that have no guarantee or assurance to give us victory in our spiritual life. And this is what Joshua taught us through this. The people, the men of war, that in the last days, one of the great commands is for people to stand the test that will come against us. A people that will pray. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Proverbs 13, verses 20, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. So there's a great correlation with victory and the people you surround yourself with. 
There's a great connection. This is why I say to you, the church remains relevant today more than ever before because we need people of war that will go to battle with us in the spiritual realm. In God, there is always the assurance of victory. We can be assertive that God will bring to pass protection. God is going to send hailstones, but the produce of that is going to be tied to the fact that we have people who will fight with us in the spiritual realm. It is ironical that until today, no matter how much, the enemy tries to overthrow Israel. Just go and read history. The Middle East and everyone else in the world wants to throw Israel away from the land that God has given them. But every time they do it, Israel still rises. And they find it so difficult to accept and come to the conclusion that those are God's people. God is not going to let his people go. The story of Israel is the story of you and I. That no matter what the enemy throws against us, no matter what the crisis may seem to present to us, I declare to you, God is going to enable us to see seasons of victory. This is an assurance. This is a guarantee. This is a sure reality, beloved. We will see victory come to pass. You see, the point I'm making to you this morning is that the least expected served as a place of reset. You see, for the children and the men of Gibeon, little did they expect an assault and an attack from the king of Amorites will serve as a place of reset. No one in their right mind would think that God will use crisis to make us better. No one in their right man will in their right mind will be able to process that the battle, the crisis, the crisis of life and the conflicts and the chaos and all that we are facing in life, no one will be able to ever comprehend that God uses moments like that as a place of reset. You know, we have a game we play at home. It's called Bop It. My wife is the undefeated champion. But Jeremy beat her after a few months. Eventually, they played that game and you know, you've got to twist, you've got to press, you've got to pull, you've got to twist, you've got to press, you've got to pull. And so one day, I did the inevitable. You know, all these toys have a reset button. And so... She was so proud of the score that she had until we hit reset. And then I became the champion. Because when she was playing it, she would get a score of about 80 or 90. But I got 16 and then on the speaker it said, your new high score is 16. Sometimes we don't like the reset button. Nowadays, when you play games on your phone or even, you know, on, on, your, on, your, 
iPad or whatever it is, I've noticed that there's been a trend now to lure these people into buying coins or tokens. And so you would come to a place where if you're playing a racing game and as you play the game, you come to that stage where you get the car into a rack and after the car gets into a rack, now the notification appears, would you like to restart the race without losing your points? And so they would tell you, if you like to do that, you have to pay this amount in order to be able to stay and maintain the points. And I begin to think about how many times people don't really like to hit reset. Especially when momentum has been built. Especially when we have some form of structure that's been established. But I'm here to tell you, beloved, we must look at the crisis we're in as a place to hit the reset button. And in the same manner, God will use these various unexpected ways in our life to give us an opportunity to reset. Now, what does this mean to us? In times like this, we introspect our lives. It is in these moments that we begin to examine how have I been lacking in my obedience to God? How have I been lacking in my submission to God? How have I been lacking in my, uh, uh, in my life for God, in my giving, in my prayer life? How have I been lacking in my relationship with God? This is, these are times that we begin to hit reset and begin to clear our minds from the clogs of life and look and ask ourselves the question, have I... Have any areas in my life need change? Do I need to change in those areas? The inhabitants of Gibeon heard of what Joshua and the children of Israel had done on Ai. We know that the story of Ai was a story of covetousness. Joshua brought his army and the Bible says they were defeated. Now they wanted to be a part of them because they heard of the victory Joshua had achieved. But you know what is so significant that's worth noting is that the children of Gibeon or the inhabitants of Gibeon told a lie to get Joshua to come help them. In Joshua 9, 22 to 23, the scripture tells us that Joshua called for them and he spoke to them saying, Why have you deceived us saying we are very far from you when you dwell near us? Now therefore you are cursed, and none of you shall be freed from being slaves, woodcutters, and water carriers for the house of my God. So here we find the people of Gibeon, and I'm going to bring this down. It gives us a story that they somehow found themselves in a place where they deceived Joshua into leading him to bring them victory. And this is true. Many a times we look at the, the Bible and we find the canvas of the many people that have failed in the Word of God. They made themselves as someone they were not. But as you read the Bible, the Bible is a canvas of the lives that have failed, that have made mistakes, and yet you find that they were shown grace because failure is not final in the kingdom of God. 
And so deception and lies obviously are not justified in God's kingdom. The condemnation and guilt oftentimes will fill our hearts. It is possible, even right now, during this crisis, to make believe. The story is this. The people of Gibeon told Joshua they were actually from a very far country. They had traveled the distance to come. They have had to go through a lengthy process to come. And so Joshua believed them, but in fact, in all reality, they were only neighbors. They were actually very close to Joshua and his team. And this is a powerful truth because how many Christians, just like the children of Gibeon, make believe that their relationship with God is so good. They make believe that I have been sacrificing for God. I've been making endless giving pledges and faithful commitments to God. And they make themselves believe, they always think they're doing more for God than they really are doing. This is the deception. Many a times, this is why God calls us to hit the reset button, because we have deceived ourselves into thinking, I've traveled the distance to get here, when you actually are very close without the sacrifice. And this is what God wants us to do when we hit the reset button, is realign our perspectives. God, you know what? I've not actually been sacrificing a whole lot for you. God, you know what? I've actually made myself believe I've, you know, I'm coming to prayer, I'm praying and I'm giving and I'm sacrificing. And, and you know, I've made myself believe that I've come from such a sacrificial Christian life. Is it true? Are you really sacrificing that much for God? I'm not. I'm still having a good life. And I can tell you that, beloved, David Livingston said that, can we even call it sacrifice when we're doing our duty for God? It isn't even close to being entitled as a sacrifice. Our giving, our faithfulness, our prayer life, our relationship, can we even qualify that as a sacrifice? He can make it sound like it's coming from far. When you read the Bible, you find that there were many who failed. We have the story of Moses. Moses, we know, abused an Egyptian. And he heard that Pharaoh was going to kill him. So he ran. He ran and he hid himself at the back of a desert. And as he began to find himself at the backside of a desert, we know that Jethro began to use this man. He became the shepherd boy. He became the man who looked after Jethro's livestock. But I'm here to tell you that that moment, that 40 years in Moses' life, being at the backside of the desert, was a place of reset. It was a place for him to consider and think, have I been doing enough? 
It was a place of reset in his life. It was a place where he had to recalibrate, rethink, and begin to reconsider who am I? And in that time when he was in that moment of reset, we know God called him there and said, now I want you to go and redeem the children of Israel out of Egypt. See, everyone had a place of reset. What about Jonah? God says, go to Nineveh. But where did Jonah go? He went to Tarshish. God said, go to one city, but he went to another. And being in the belly of a whale was his place of reset. He had to reconsider, my gosh, I should have been more obedient to God. I should have done more for God. I should have been responsive to God. I can only imagine at that point of time with all that Jonah, all that was running through his mind and everyone at that point of time knew it was his place of reset. The belly of the fish was Jonah's place of reset. What about 2 Kings chapter 6? We know the story. The exit that fell into the Jordan. And the men, the sons of the prophet, turned back to Elisha. And they said, oh my gosh, we've dropped the axe head. And Elisha looked at them and he said, what you, what, Elisha takes a stick in fact and he throws that into the river. And he tells these young men, he says, where you dropped it, pick it up. The river of Jordan for these young men were their place of reset. Jesus with a slightly different twist, retreated to a place of quietness. He was preaching. And the Bible says in Mark chapter 6 that Jesus began to retreat. He wanted some quietness away from the crowd. Called his disciples, he says, go with me. Because, like I said, a slightly different twist. Jesus needed a place to reset. Now, you can look at this crisis and it can be a time that is hard, difficult, cumbersome, but you can also use it as an opportunity to say, God, I truly have not been where I am in my faith with you. And hit the reset button with God and start all over again. Go back to your first love. As the Bible says, where, where's your first love gone? Hit the reset button and start again. See, despite of them becoming woodcutters, Joshua gave them the task of cutting wood and carrying water. But Joshua still responded to them when they called for him. He knew they were deceivers. God knows we are deceivers. God knows I'm a deceiver. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know, maybe sometimes I make myself think I'm higher than who I am or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm much more righteous than who I am. How many times have we done that? We deceive ourselves a lot. We think we're better than who we really are. But even when we call on God, the Bible says, when you call on God, He will answer. See, they call Joshua. And God will take us through this crisis. And in this crisis, God will bring out of us what needs to come out. 
You know, there was a time when my wife and I, we walked away from God. I was in school at that time. We were not married, but we decided that, you know what, if we wanted to get married, we're going to leave, we're going to walk away. Because no one wanted us to get married per se. My parents were against it. Obviously, you know, at that time, the age factor and all of that. But I'm telling you, in that moment of crisis, we walked into a church at that time. It was one of those big congregations. And the pastor for the, for the kids' church showed up to us. They saw us and they said, Hey, first week in church, first Sunday in church, would you like to be involved in kids' church? But today, I, I, you know, we've come out of that. We've, we're obviously living right for God. We are walking in obedience. But can I tell you, we were immoral. We were unrighteous. We were not living for God. We were not right with God. We were, we were messed up. We ran away from God. And so let that sink in for a while. But the crisis... You see, many a times we deceive ourselves. My involvement is an evidence of me being right with God. No, just because you are on the band, just because you're a Sunday school teacher doesn't make you right with God. You have to answer that question, beloved. That's a question that you will have to face. And I think moments like this, in a crisis like this, God allows us to have time to introspect who we are. We have to look into our lives. And we realize that that crisis brought to surface things inside us that we did not like. I remember there was a time as, as I bring this down, my, gee, my time is not running out. I was about to say that. But there was a time when I remember ran, I left home. I ran away from home. My teenage years, 17 years old. I, and, and I remember trying to find purpose. I was an argumentative, aggressive, temperamental young man. Being on the phone one day with my dad, I remember he called me up, he said, where are you? And he was screaming on the other end. He's also equally temperamental at that time. He was shouting and screaming. I said, what is your problem? You come here and, and I, I, I kid you not, it was a time when I was going to fist fight him for the first time in my life. I said, you come and we'll fight. But those things came out of me when we were going through crisis. So what has this crisis brought out of you? What has COVID-19 brought out of you? What have you seen about yourself that you need to repent and seek God? See, God always prepares us, lead us to a place where we can redeem the time and get right with Him.
in the book of Joshua 10, 12 to 13. It says, then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children and the saints in the sight of Israel, sun stand still over Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, the moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is this not return in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. So in the midst of this battle, the powerful context of what we are reading in this passage is found here. When the sun stood still. A time that defies nature and the possibility, as we see, to redeem the time that has gone. God stopped the entire solar system to accomplish this miracle of victory. The sun became silent, beloved. The moon stayed where it was. God gave Joshua more daylight to fight in. God caused the sun to stand still so that Joshua could be victorious in the battle. Maybe God hit the pause button right now. Maybe God stopped your life from going the way it has been going. Maybe you've been ex just expressing and experiencing a great time in life and God hit the pause button for a while. A certain man once said, it's ridiculous that God will stop an entire universe for one man. You see, God will allow us to redeem the time, to reflect, to recalibrate. We can become disgruntled. We can become upset. We can become angry at all that's going on around us or we can make the choice of realigning our commitment while we have the time to do so. Scripture reveals the sun stood still over Gibeon, which is a powerful correlation with God being light and in Him there is no darkness. These crises and the seasons of life may appear as it may to you, but I believe God will stop time. At least it seems like that. In many of our lives, while we are finding it hard to progress forward with all the limitation, God is shining His sun that is stood still into those dark areas of our lives. And he's inviting us to say, hit the reset button. You've not been faithful. You've not been committed. You've not been praying. You've not been giving. You've not been committed to God. You've not been sold out. You've not been sacrificing. Time to introspect and hit the reset button and get it right with God. One day, this doctor, the cancer center that we go to, Dr. Kenny, was explaining to us how light exposed on the cancer cell or light exposed on the tumor can actually kill the cancer cell. Light is a powerful thing. When the sun stands still, God is exposing things in our lives. 
Open your eyes. Look at what you've become. Look at what you've begun to accept today. Look at your conviction, your conscience, beloved. Have you compromised who you are as a Christian? The sun has stopped. Hit the reset button while you have time and get back on track with God. Bow your heads this morning.